welcome to The One Hour Intern. I'm your host, Will Brigger. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Los Angeles-based fine art collective, Friends With You, which consists of Samuel Borkinson and Arturo Sandoval III, and works to cultivate moments of spiritual awareness, powerful, joyful interactions, and positivity through their art. It's a pleasure to meet with you guys. Thanks for the time. Same here, man. Yeah, nice nice to meet you. So during COVID and quarantine and all the uncertainty in the world right now, what have you guys been working on recently? It's been like a really interesting time for us. We've been like having a lot of deep and thoughtful conversations about what is happening in the world and what the world needs. And we felt what this whole time has made really, really loud to us that like isolation is really like one of the biggest problems of our world is like thinking that we are separate or different or alone from each other, you know, and that's basically what we developed friends with you almost like 20 years ago now started working on this project as like a means to create connectivity, you know, and that's like probably like one of the most important and like beautiful things that I think that we have. And I think that even as we have experienced this crazy thing together, we're now in a place where we do realize how important those connections are in our relationships and our family and our loved ones. And it only amplifies the importance of each of those ideas, you know, and that directly impacts and affects all the work that we make. So we've been working on a ton of stuff. I'll continue to like tell you about that. We both will, you know, but that's really what started Friends With You was like this idea that the whole universe is friends with you. It's there to aid you and abed you in all the things that you sow in your life. How do we work that into like a community setting where we're really impacting each other and making these important rays of light that inspire and change ourselves and the entire garden that is our family and creative community. And in a world where people can't go and see your collections live, how have you been still bringing that positivity and connectivity through art? I mean, one of the things that has been able to like keep going for us is really to develop this really long, far-fetched projects that we have been working on for the past, I guess, like six, seven, eight years ago, when we started doing some projects that moved into the mass media space, things that are commonly known as like intellectual property or animations or things for TV or mass media, which is very much something that's important to us because it was always our mission to communicate our ideas and philosophy with as many people as possible. So that has been a little bit of a focus in this COVID time because it has allowed us to have the space to really like zero in and try to like triangulate and, and put together those projects that it takes a lot of other moving parts and other people. And since we are COVID and we have had the time and everyone's in their house, it has been actually easier to be able to get some of those meetings set up and like really like get people to come together and get behind those ideas. So that has been something that we have capitalized on since we are not able to do our bigger, immersive share experiences, which is a lot of the other work that we do. But yeah, it has been interesting. And like most things, like you just have to move on your feet and pivot quickly. And, and, and we have spent a lot of time kind of developing those projects. We have three or four projects that we have been developing in that space. 
And how have you remained motivated to keep working on these projects when, you know, you could sit back, relax, because no one is there to see what you're working on right now? We really feel like that we're kind of part of nature, you know, as there's people putting like negative and divisive propaganda into the world and separating us like more and more from each other. We feel that there's kind of nothing stopping our will to create the work that does unify people. It shows each other like our differences. And we consider these great artworks, even though that they will be television shows and businesses. They're some of the most important like artworks that we think can happen in this time that you know we're alive. And it's like almost cultural engineering as an art form into really like mass and greater world. You know, it's like how how are we not at like the Star Trek model yet where we're all working together as one unified Earth? celebrating our differences, learning from nature, and preserving our world. So each of our pieces, whether it's a television show, a sculpture, a painting, or an installation, is all about aiding humans in their connection to each other and their planet and love for each beautiful thing that we see in the world. Our brains are so limited still, but I feel that we are, and you being like a younger generation, will even have more of a capacity for learning because I think that humans are turning closer and closer to the singularity where we are AI ourselves, you know, and AI works with our human brains and brings us to this next level where we can like really as single people greatly impact the world. So like by making these television shows that will reach hundreds of millions of young brains, we're doing this idea that is positive propaganda. And it's like, we stay inspired because we've also diversified our art practice from making physical things, which is like sculptures and paintings and works with our hands, which keeps like our body motivated, but then thinking as deep into like the sky, into the universe as possible as artists, because there's no real limits to like what you can create and finding partners and pushing these things like deeper and deeper. That is things that are needed for society. We're trying to break every mold that's ever been as far as what we do for our work. We're not artists. We are artists, but we're also great explorers of this new connective devices that really work for the benefit of humans and our planet. Yeah. So we do live in a world with a lot of negativity and division. How do you maintain that positive mindset and that positive focus in all your work with so much turmoil and struggle so visible? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're smart in saying that it is so visible. And I think that you're in an age that it is good to start looking at those things like that. But it really isn't like the fact. The fact is that the world isn't getting darker and it isn't getting any worse by any matrix of any actual data. That's why I think that's something that I think that we have in us, like it's something that's natural to us that we are optimistic and we want to see the brighter side. Not per se because it's something that it's that we are just like Sharpie, but we think that that is almost like our own coping mechanism to our own darkness and our own human condition. It's like you could either take it one way or the other. It's like you look like the dark or look at the light. And I feel like that what you're sensing and what you have brought up already like a couple of times where the world is in this dark place and it's this and it's that. I feel like that I, sh- I challenge that in a multitude of ways. I think that it is a device that's being used to capitalize on our attention, but the truth is that it isn't. 
that there's just no proof to any of that. There's absolutely like no matrix that is showing that we are moving towards that and that we are in a worse place than anything. Just throw any question out. Like I, I will show you a graph and someone that will see it in a much different way. Like infant mortality, education, health, everything is moving up and up, 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 you know. The progress that we've made alone in the last 200 years is hard to even comprehend. 200 years ago, like, a woman couldn't vote, couldn't do, like, anything, couldn't own her own property. It was her property of her husband. The changes that have happened in culture in general, it's very hard for us to sense in the time that we're moving. Also, since we are in a time where we are consuming media in such a rapid speed, that it, it's hard for a lot of people to look past just the flash headline that's being like put out as almost like attention bait and look past that and actually get the data of what's going on. And it's important. It's important to actually look at that because the decisions that have to be made and the progress that needs to happen, it has to be at that deeper level, not just at the surface kind of level that it is what we're experiencing. This like kind of like media kind of like grab for our amygdala and like the things that are like gravels you know <laughs> so yeah I, I challenge you to look and see it like that and i think that that's kind of like our project is is about, about making a space in culture and in to one's day or in one's week or whenever they interact with our work or our experiences where they do have like a glimmer of like that optimism that we that also like the art world like frowns upon art is really made about being like very like you know thoughtful and like putting forward all the negative things and all the the negative feelings that are about the emotional like the human condition but we're like okay also there's a tool to be used here about about being motivated and you know also being like and the opposite of that also motivates you like people want to like go outside of like the, the muck so they do progress but there is so much of that that we wanted to compensate and bring a different light to that space. Yeah, you're definitely right that we need to be more optimistic and go past the surface. I completely agree. So before you guys were this positivity-focused art group, you were individuals, Turi. You were in Miami, but you're from Havana, Cuba. The year's 1993. And Sam, you're from Plantation, Florida. The year's 1996. You're both 17. You know, it's different years, but what's life like for both of you? just like being a teenager in Florida. When I was 17, I wasn't in Florida anymore. I had been removed from my mom's house that I was living at because I was pretty gangster, you know? Like, I grew up doing all the wrong things, like fighting, drugs, stealing, getting arrested, like everything bullshit, and like not even really being in my house. So I was out of my house by the time I was 14, going to like reform school to reform school to like a boarding school, which is actually pretty cool. And it was definitely like an experience. Like I had to grow up and be like an adult very, very quick. I was faced with really, really intense learning and proximity danger, you know? So just like trying to stay alive to like being brought from like Florida where there's all, all kinds of fucked up kids to all these different schools where it was all the fucked up kids from all over the country trying to learn their shit and stuff, you know? And I think that it was like really like making art. I started using that like as a healing tool, you know, and that was really what was like a huge like turnaround just for me personally in my life was like one of the teachers at like this third high school I went to, no one had used the art stuff and they're like, you can go and do whatever you want in this space. And 
I think that that was like really like a place for me to shine and explore. And it gave me this relentlessness. No, if I was to give any advice to like young kids, be relentless in your passion is the way to do it. Like I had had countless teachers telling me that drawing or making art or doing any of that stuff is like very difficult, which it is. But I feel that art is so vast now. Whatever your passion is and whatever you care for is like, follow that to like the nth because nobody really knows. Reality is like this completely erroneous construct that we're trying to like assemble and it falls apart and people get so confused because we can barely keep up with this reality that we're trying to perceive. I just made making my own reality the good of it. And I think that like I had gone to such like dark spots with like not even speaking to any of my family except for my sister and stuff like at that moment, that 17th year was like so dark and so like painful for me. And I think that that was probably where some of this art form was born like inside of me is like this compassion for humans, this compassion almost for myself for being at the bottom, the most hurt, depraved, sad and disconnected from all my family and myself. Like to find like that art could connect and like make people feel certain ways and be perceived and tell my own honest story was like the small truth that I I uncovered. I was like the beautiful seed inside myself that I could be like, okay, it is okay. And it's beautiful, you know? And I guess that's my 17 year old moment. I could go on for more, but I'll let Tootie get into his. 17. I think I was like, just starting to like really get acquainted with this country to some degrees. I had only been here for like three years. So I was like getting more comfortable with the language and just going through the process of understanding what, this country is about to some degrees, but not really because I was like so young and under the nurturing hand of my parents. So it was an interesting time, but it was like also a time where I was about to go to college and I went to a school, was very much male. It was like a boys only school and I was not really like athletic or any of that stuff. I didn't really like have a mastery of the language yet and I still don't, but and that ecosystem, it made me also like focus on the things that I was interested in. So since I didn't have like a big social high school experience, it let me have a lot of time for myself. And I really started like cultivating a lot of things that ended up being very useful for me in the future. So I was like obsessed with the computer. My dad had gotten like an Apple. So it was like my the beginning of my love affair with really being able to work in that device. And, you know, the first like 3D programs were coming out, like animation programs and like all this mastery of like this tool. Like, I think that that was like what was really happening at specifically at that age that you said 17. It was a very interesting time in my life for sure. You both mentioned such interesting and different paths. So I'll go specifically to Sam first and say, you talked about being in such a negative place. and a lot of people will have different negative rock bottom spots and you used art to get out of yours. How did you really push yourself to use art and move from rock bottom to this positivity focused person? Because that's such a big jump and such a hard step to take. Yeah, it is. It's like a ton of work. It's like so crazy. It, it really is like therapy. And like even our relationship as two artists working together, like I'm so grateful for that because we've had each other like almost like as a mirror and, and to being like a great dude and brother and friend, like 
was able to show me like really like awesome things. And when I was able to start reconnecting with my family, like I can see them differently aside from like the pain. I think that I was like taking myself to like, why is the world fucking pummeling me to being like, I have to pummel the world. I have to pummel it with love. I have to be like, like as kind and as sweet like as I possibly can because this shit doesn't work, you know? And I think that that's what Friends With You like even meant because like I, I didn't start it with Tootie many years after I was 17. Like I kind of started out when I was like 21, he was like 24, 25. It was like very young. We started this pathway to like the stuff that we're doing now. And I think that it was really like going head first, no fear of death or anything that like I was going to like make a good impact like on, you know, myself and the people around me. And if I couldn't like learn to yet love myself, I was going to like love outwardly and like use that as a tool to be my reflecting. So it's like, People I put around me, the art that I make around me is like smiling and cute and and kind to me. All these objects, I'll give that to like other people and have let that be their own amulet. So it's like if you put that around your house, like a little smiling cloud, you know, like this is kind of like one of our iconic little figure things. You have this looking at you and like being your even like a tiny bit in your life. I was like, that could be like a psycho magic that can really help you. And even that term psychomagic comes from Alejandro Jodorowsky, a great inspiration of mine and ours. And I think it was consuming art that was kind and beautiful, like Miyazaki. I feel like seeing like my neighbor Totoro and like those films that were like animistic and spiritual in a new way that was the unification of man with each other and earth. I was able to start seeing like the beauty, the, the pure miraculous beauty that is like around us all the time was what was able to like really help me turn those tables of being like a victim being pummeled by life because that's going to happen your whole life. You'll be pummeled. You will be disappointed and you'll be hurt and you'll be fucked over and you won't get that love and that girlfriend will mess up and you know what I'm saying? Like everything will happen. But the beauty in all those moments is what we're here for. If you were just to win the game and get everything you wanted, that wouldn't be fun at all. You wouldn't have any excitement or anything. It's like the challenge to be better, the challenge to help others, the challenge to like lift up the good things and like the loving things to like look at like a flower or a tree properly. Take mushrooms. I would tell kids to take mushrooms to cure their depression and go look at nature and commune with what they are, which is like plants and like look at them and see how beautiful they are. If you can see like how beautiful a flower is just sitting there, then like think of all the cool things you can do. You can be nice to somebody. You can actually buy some food bring it to somebody and make them like smile and stuff. You can make a sculpture or an installation that brings people together. And that's kind of like where we even like started connecting was like, how do we make these environments and these experiences that we want to feel? How do we bring them to like other people? And doing this experiential art concept was one of the first things that started getting us noticed. And we were just doing that for ourselves and each other to like give this moments and stuff. But it's, it can be so simple, the little change. It's just like deciding how Tudio is saying, like your perspective of the day. How do I see this water like in this jug? Well, I've had this water in this jug for a while, so it tastes kind of bad. But I'm so thirsty, so I'm going to like drink the jug. Even though like it's like a little bit gross, whatever. It's all the perspective and how do we like look at each tiny thing and each word, each action, each thing. Approaching that with love is really like the key to finding love and having that bless you is you like blessing with love.
such a magnetic and magical thing, I, I feel, you know, and I'm still learning on that. So there's nothing switched around. Yeah, I'm not like positive all the time or so happy or I got to this happy place. I'm like many years later and I'm still trying to be like the most loving and accepting of myself. And I see that that all works, you know, like every little tiny bit of that works. And for you, earlier you'd mentioned your sister, so maybe her or maybe other people. Were there any people that smiled at you like your cloud figure now smiles at you that really helped yeah, you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, my sister, Tootie, Julie, like our studio manager, like our, now it's like a fucking beautiful garden. I have like the best friends that I've ever had in my life. I have the best relationship with my mom, my dad, like all my family is now back in my special like hard place because like I've regrown that stuff. But at that time when I was like 17, there was nothing smiling at me. There was nothing like at all. I was in like a world of trying not to get severely like fucked up, like in a fight or some shit. That was me. I was like fight or flight shit. Like I was friends with like the gangsterous people that would help protect me and I would protect them. Like I was like a, like a friendship, right? Like there was like, no, there was no friends. It was like more honor and loyalty type of thing, which is also beautiful. Still like, just like I work, work. but I, I don't dislike or sad for any of those past things, you know, that ever happened. And my sister, yeah, of course she was such like a guiding like light of just always accepting me and always trying to help me, even from her college job, like sending me like a few hundred bucks when I had no money to like even do anything at all. I'm super grateful for all that stuff, weird stuff that happened to like give me the perspective now of really like where I am, what I can achieve and still what I can be, which I still see myself like you. I see myself as like a blank canvas, really still learning of like what I am and what my purpose is and who I am. Definitely. Terry, you had a very different story, but do you feel like that same idea of people smiling at you to help you become the person you are now? is just as important to you? Yeah, I feel like I had to some degrees a different situation that led me to some of the same yearnings. I had like some people around me that use that positive projection of themselves into the world as a way to actually overcome the adversity. So I saw that next to me. To some degrees, my dad, when he was young, was very much like that. It was part of his character, even though he did have out of like maturing or just life one does wean out of like one characteristic or not but as i was growing up he had very much that kind of attitude and one of my grandfathers was very much the embodiment of that. he was just like here like to everyone and i saw the effects that that had to some degrees on how you're able to almost like manipulate the matrix because it is infectious to be optimistic and positive the light of the party and i saw that as a mannerism and as a way of approaching life that was very effective so i kind of like as i got more and more comfortable in this country and understanding like how to like navigate and start going to college and all that stuff it was part of my character that i was like bright and upbeat and like always like the person that wanted to jump headfirst into the mosh pit and i think those kinds of things are interesting and they are they serve a purpose when you don't have other tool sets to help you like be at peace with yourself or your own insecurities and it is something that just speaking specifically about that characteristic i think that that is something that is interested me just even looking like in hindsight now as to like how 
I became the person that I, I am becoming. <laughs> yeah. You know. And you say looking specifically at that characteristic, were there any other important characteristics or mindsets that shaped your now focus on positivity and yeah. I feel like that I grew up in a very like artistic household. My dad is like a very accomplished musician and my mom is very much was back in Cuba. She was involved with um drafted with her best friend. I was involved with the actual like structuring of the industrial design school of like Cuba. It was like those kinds of people were always around us. And I think that when you grow up in that kind of like household, it wasn't just that what it was value, but it was the only thing that I could see myself. I wanted to compete at that same arena, even though I didn't want to do specifically the same things that my dad was doing per se. It was like, okay, like when he challenged me at a very young age, he was just, you know, like, I think like when you are a young adult and you're asking your elders around you to value you, I think that the question was put to me also into like, why should I value you? What do you have to show to the world and to me for me to value you? And that was the thing that came naturally to me. It was like, okay, making art is the thing that makes sense to me and is the only way that I can express myself. I think that also in hindsight, the actual limitations of not being able to speak English and read in English play into that because I was always a lot better at drawing or painting or like doing an animation or doing like a 3D model or something that I ever was expressing myself in other way. It's like those weird like little forks in the road that are hard to like diagnose for someone, but they do shape you, you know, and like visually expressing myself is I'm a lot more comfortable doing that than I am with maybe writing or speaking about this concept. So it became a way of me communicating to the people around me, to even to like my friends. And then, you know, at the beginning when you're making art, you're not really making it for anyone but yourself. And then like the immediate like circle that you have around you. And that's how it came out. So you, Answered my next question, which was going to be moving to America from Cuba. How did you deal with that adversity? So I'll ask you specifically, were there any values you developed living in Cuba that you don't see in America that you feel are very important? Oh, man, so many. I actually feel like that that is the biggest blessing that I had was to have that different growing up. And the values that were projected in Cuba were very different than the American-like values. And I feel like that that is, has been a blessing for a multitude of reasons. And there's a lot of things that I feel that influence how we see the world that were embedded at that point. I feel like that growing in a system that did level everyone down, that's the weird part. It doesn't level people up, but levels everyone down does create a level playing field as into like your value in society. So it's kind of strange. It's like, the people that were like really cool in my neighborhood weren't the people that were like the richest. It was like the guy across the street that was an amazing spear, like fisherman. You know, it was like almost like the human value became more human as opposed to just how you were able to shenanigan your way up the ladder. So I think that that is a core thing that I grew up with that was kind of that has shaped me. And I feel that also. How close you are to nature in a country like that is something that has shaped me. There was not a lot of TV available or playgrounds to go to. So we were like in the ocean or climbing trees or that was like our playground. 
I feel like that, that yeah. is kind of like a very interesting key differentiator of growing up in a country where I had the freedom to be like that and, and have that childhood. There's that. There's also, I grew up with a mother that had belief system where she adhered to like Catholic or belief system, but also like a Yoruba and like Afro-Cuban religion. So I think having that weird dichotomy of religion made also for a very interesting upbringing that it's something that that has shaped me for sure. There's a trillion things that are so poorly like different from growing up in a country like that than America that I think it's amazing. I'm, I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just I feel blessed that I had that break. And I feel like coming to America is, I'm still learning about the differences. Even though I assume for a long time that I was just American, and I feel like I am an American, but I feel that I'm still being shown to me like all the time, like this weird differences. And it makes me look at now as I have more time to think about these questions. It makes me really want to learn more about really like the dynamics that make this country take or not, that I feel like that people that were born here maybe just take them for granted. The combinations of your different identities has been really valuable in the person that you are. I feel so like big time. Yeah, I feel like it is an interesting thing to have. It was such like a weird time to also move to this country because, you know, at 14, you're like really just starting to yeah. become like all the dynamics of becoming your own identity and shaping your own identity were put in pause to some degrees at that time because I did shift and I landed in this new country. So a lot of those weird things are a blessing and also have hurt the, my own development and like has been things that have been challenging to me and are interesting in that respect. Yeah. So it's a good segue into kind of a midpoint of our show where I like to do a segment called The Coffee Break. Instead of talking serious about your life without a chronological focus, and you guys can just share a story that's a funny moment in your life rather than something serious. Does anything in particular come to mind? A lot of funny stuff happens, but this one in particular was like pretty great. We were in Copenhagen years ago, and we had been working like all night, like on an installation, like days straight on it. And it was like really, really fun, really, really like taxing, but like crazy work. I was making this installation. And like in the middle of the night, probably like 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning, like I had more energy and Tootie was like passing out at the installation site. And I'm like, I'm going to finish doing this mural because I was already like all charged up and going for it. And this lift that we had, this European lift, like was literally like a one prong scissor lift that was falling apart, broken. The craziest thing ever. Like we should not have been driving it. We could have definitely died on it. So we're doing all this stuff. I'm painting the mural like half stunned and like half like living. And I don't know like how like it happened or something, but like I had gotten like tangled like in all these cables. And as I moved the scissor lift to go to the right, it had knocked down like all these paint buckets that had been tied around these cables, pulling like these paint buckets. So it made like four or five giant paint buckets were now like going on the ground and I couldn't drive to like get it down. And the thing was like stuck for me to not get down. So I like wake up to it. I'm like, bro. He wakes up and it's like literally like a paint swamp on the floor. Me up on this like crazy scissor lift with paint going over the cables. It was probably like 10, 12 years ago, but literally like the biggest like mess that you can ever imagine. It was just coating like 
this crazy for, you know, it's something like really, really silly. I don't know how funny it is, but at the time it was like definitely a really major fuck up that we fixed up before anybody had like known about it. I feel like that could have been part of the installation, you know, the paint splattered over the floor. I mean, it could have, but it was in the cables. It was a crazy mess. It ended up turning out really beautiful, the installation, how it was meant to be and all good. But it was really an unsurmountable thing at the time, like at three o'clock in the morning to fix. But, you know, it's like tiny in the mix of things. It's just one that came to mind. Do you have like yeah. any like really like funny things? I mean, the one that comes to mind right away for me is the time that I beat Sam at racquetball. That is not even true. That's kind of messed up also. This is just for the record. I let you speak, so now I have to tell my story from This is not like a presidential debate (laughs) that where one can speak and not the other one. Can you help, like, please? You're going to have him beat Chris Wallace? Shut up, man. (laughs) I feel like you have to play Uh, again. Yeah. (laughs) We were doing a project for Nike, and after we're done having the meetings or whatever, they were like, do you guys want to use some of our facilities? They have like this crazy fucking campus with everything, every court available that you could ever imagine, whatever. And we were playing a lot of racquetball at that time. And we were like, can we use the racquetball courts? So they were like, yeah, sure. So we go to the Nike store like that's on campus, get all decked out, brand new everything. Yeah, like Nike everything. drip, drip all and, over. Like, all the Nike brand new everything. So we showed up to this like racquetball court looking like we're like in a serious like championship like level to play. And I proceeded to beat Sam and he couldn't take the loss. So he was like started getting like very physical with me and trying to tackle me. What? This is like completely the opposite story that happened. There was no one there. So whoever gets to tell the story, tells it already. It's true, it's true, it's true. It did get physical. We were on almost like fist fighting. There's like, you know, the whole Nike town is like watching us. It's like crazy, you know? It's like a whole... It's the finals of the U.S. Open, pretty much. Pretty much. Between us, we have this crazy competition because we're playing all the time. And then on the Nike field with the Nike gear and I spanked 2D. Yeah, as you can see, that the funny thing is that that must have been like 15 years ago. Still, Sam can come to terms <laughs> with the fact that I'm just better at racquetball, which is okay. <laughs> We'll just leave it as a mystery. We we won't let you know like what really happened. But that was crazy. That was really fun. <laughs> and that's why we're not in stand-up comedy. And we do something else. <laughs> My friends and I play pickleball. pickleball. It's like racquetball. It's like a short court tennis. I don't know. It's a weird oh, game. Oh, yeah. I have seen that. I have seen that. I, I know what you're talking about now. The paddles are almost like wooden paddles also. Like they're like with the perforated holes. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Yeah. But it gets just as intense. In our senior yearbooks, we've both written, you think you can beat me, maybe someday you'll be able to, in short story. So that's in both of our senior yearbooks saying that we beat the other person every time. Oh, that's good. Hell yeah. I think the funny thing about our story of the racquetball thing hasn't happened yet, which is I just found out that there's this service that is doing in England where like people could hire him to come and say things at your funeral for you. So, for instance, like this, this dude got hired, comes to a funeral of whatever this guy, and in the middle of the funeral, stands up. He's like, "Excuse me, everyone, can I get everyone's attention?" And he looks at everyone. He's like, "Michael, who's the guy that just died's best friend?" He's like, "Michael, Patrick wanted you to know that he always knew that you had sex with his wife." So I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna hire someone to come at uh, my funeral and just say, "He's like, Trudy <laughs> wanted everyone to know." 
that he did beat Sam at the Rock and Ball in Nike. That is like good. 2005. Yeah. And, uh, he couldn't take the thing. So maybe like the funny thing just hasn't happened yet. So, Can I be the one who yeah, gets to do it? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get you. <laughs> but, but you know what? Tell us this because I feel like this is not a true internship. What are you trying to do? What is your passion? Can we help you? You're asking us tons of questions. I know it helps probably listeners and stuff. And maybe it's not good to having your own personal story, but maybe it is good. What are you striving to do? What's your dream? As of now, I couldn't tell you. Part of this project is learning about different paths. And sometimes I get some stress like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And a lot of people do. And it's scary to be like, oh, I'm not sure which path I'll take. And being able to sit with people and hear how they got to where they are gives me an answer that I don't really need to know right now. Yeah. And helps me develop which way I'm going to go, make that decision. That's cool. Part of this whole internship project is you really learning and thinking about what it is and what you can bring to certain things. I think that's smart. I think that a lot of people really get stuck in their identity-based idea of themselves. I think that that's like one of the biggest problems that I think that young kids now in the internet age where they develop these avatars of who they are online. They forget to develop themselves or listen to themselves or fail as themselves, you know? So I think that that's really like important to actually be open to that and be exploring that. I think that's cool. So with that in mind, we are running out of time. I don't want to take a bunch of your time. So I'll segue into a different segment called the PowerPoints. If someone was to just listen to five minutes of this conversation and they could take away three things, In your mind, from your life experience, what would those three takeaways be? The first one would be have no fear. No matter what's going to happen, it's going to happen. Even if you are the most successful singer, you're going to fail at singing like plenty of times. So it's like, go. That's been the single best thing that's like brought me and and my career. What I'm doing, this space is like no fear. Even when like the chips are down, you have no money and like you have no idea how to proceed forward, proceed forward. There's nothing bad that happens going forward, even though all the bad things will happen. It's inevitable. It's like this great, beautiful thing, you know? The second thing would be like, be patient. Really allow that learning to happen and unlearning to happen. I think they're essential for being like where we are as artists. The third thing is do good. Doing good for the world comes back to you. Give to the world. Give all your energy or whatever you're the best at which this is like an incredible thing you're even doing. Show hosting like this thing and doing this in this format shows you that maybe your medium is having these conversations. You seem to handle yourself like very well at this. You are doing that. You're doing good. I think that you're crossing all all three of those things off. But those would be my top three. Tori, would you add, adapt, or say another three? I think that those are all like great strengths and pivotal things to keep in mind for sure that time like touched on if i had to add some other ones would be learn to master your own anxieties and the shortfalls of your own weakness almost we are expected and there's like this almost like false expectations of what one's effectiveness can be in the world and there's almost like this always reconcilable deficit that one feels like it's not being enough and it's i think by really acknowledging to your own self that you are doing your best and start getting into a mechanics of really mastering your own psyche. And I think that that is easier said than done. And it's not like that you have to master by controlling it, but just know how to like 
tinker with it to help you do your best. Things like meditating or doing yoga, things that help you become more flexible. Kind of like to some degree what Sam was saying is that life is going to throw to you all those curveballs. So it's almost like you're working out, but it's just working out. It's not just a physical thing, but you can also make it a mental thing. That would be one thing, I think. The other thing is it's really learn how to be your own teacher to some degrees. You have to get into the dynamics of teaching yourself because the world is moving at such crazy speed that there's no way of acquiring one set of knowledge and being like, okay, this is the thing that I'm going to hold on to for the rest of my life or my career. And it is going to be the thing that I either monetize or that I am value add in society. I think that the world that we live in, you're much better at being autodidactic because you always have to be learning. And the people that do well are always learning and progressing in their own either set of tools or in their own careers or in their own field by wanting to learn more as opposed to like just, okay, I put in my eight years, I got this master's degree, and then that's it. I just have to show up. It doesn't work like that anymore. That's just not the world that we're in. So being autodidactic and being comfortable with teaching yourself what you want to know, I think is another like really good pivotal quality to have these days. And I think the third one would be value all the people that are around you infinitely more than if I was to even look in hindsight, I think that the people that have been around us and have helped us make our careers, not just at a personal level, but just people that have been allies of ours, I think that I will have even like done more to like cherish and, and nurture those relationships because they are built on that. Like there's no way of doing this alone. The idea of the lone wolf person that is like, you know, the oil man that finds the oil drill and like makes a fortune out of it. That's just an old concept. So I think learning to master a whole village of people that are supporting you at a personal level and an intellectual level and at a professional level and how all of that works together to really make for a really good system and glue to help you really conquer like more difficult, more complex situations. If I had to encourage that, it would be like, you know, value your family. They're there always to help you. And like the people and the friends around you that are, that you choose to treat like family. Those are like the disciples. Those are the first people that are going to come and help you and, and that will join you in your venture and like really like champion your ideas like forward, you know? Yeah. So with those six important ideas in mind, and the fact that you guys have reached a pinnacle of success in the art world, how do you define success now? I think that it really has to do with your own perspective of where that is and what you've accomplished. For us, I feel that as we hit different milestones, I start to like look at what success is differently. And I think for a lot of people, it's like when you first start like making money or you first make money to have your studio and have it like exactly the way you want it, you know? But I think that it constantly shifts as you hit different like mile markers or like milestones in your career. I think that looking at myself and where we're at, I'm like constantly like blown away by what we've achieved and where we're at and what we have right now. That even like the huge things that we're building that will be coming out in like a couple of years, like these new television shows or businesses or things that we're doing that will continue to amplify what we're doing will give us more money and maybe more ability to do more projects. And that's what we want more money for is to continue helping the world. But I think to just in life, looking at yourself with positivity and 
more love than the hateful mind that is always trying to say you're not enough or you need more or like pushing the things that you don't have in your life. If that is good and content while you're still innovating and changing and swerving through life, I think that is true success. It's like the inner balance of your own self and what you feel that you're giving like into the world. And I think that that is really where it lies. And until like you feel that inside your own self, no amount of money, girlfriends, or any other pursuits that you're going for will ever soothe that, you know? And I've seen the opposite of that. I've seen like people since I moved to LA that are very wealthy and could have anything they want and they're never satisfied because they haven't found the value and love of themselves. And I think that that is like a successful place, no matter where you're at in the zeitgeist of culture or the community, you know, it's really like an internal personal like judgment. It's the only you can decide type of thing. Everybody can call you the goat and people can love you one second and they can tear you down and hate you the next. It can't ever exist only for like the public to decide because it's always an illusion that base of perceptions has to rely on your own personal perception of like what your success is. And me personally, I'm like so grateful to be here right now. I'm grateful to even be talking to you, you know, and be here in like the studio with 2D and like have this studio and all the amazing things that we're working on. I think that that's an incredible success from how I see it. I think it's each person really has to come down to what you are looking for and what's important to you. Yeah, totally. Tori, would you add anything? I tend to agree a lot with that framework that it really is something that has to be personal to you. And I feel like that that's some of the things that we're trying to do with our work is almost like redefine like success in a grander like scheme of things is like what the idea of success might be. It might just be like having like a tight knit community that, that you feel part of. I think that that is part of the real issues and that are grander issues in our culture is how we actually do define success. And I yeah. feel like that some of the concepts that we're trying yeah. to get off the ground and like really impact culture with are addressing that. I feel like success for each individual should be more seen as something that is core to their value system as opposed to like a general idea and that of what success could be. I feel like that's definitely very interesting to see from that point. And I feel like that I don't think that anyone put that to me at your age in those terms. It was always like, how are you going to be successful in comparison to the people around you that are successful or this milestones of success? And I feel like that no one really like pointed to me and being like, maybe that's not really success. That guy that's driving that awesome Porsche down the road, maybe he's just like looking for the next bridge to like drive the Porsche out of because he hasn't had a genuine like human interaction with someone in the past like five years. You know, like how do we define that? It's really, I feel like that that is an interesting thing to flip this on you and be like, hey, what kind of success are you asking us about? <laughs> you know? Yeah. What do you feel is success to you? I mean, Tori said he's, you guys are kind of working to redefine success. And that's, I guess, another part of this project is showing that success is not just monetary gains or fame, but it's really a, an idea that's open to interpretation. When I reach out to guests, that's something that's in my synopsis. It's like, we're really discussing how you've become successful. And that's what stories 
define that are the stories that you feel like define that because you have whatever definition you have. And I want to show there are other things beyond money, fame, power that make someone successful because everyone is successful in their own way. That's cool. That's great to have that perspective. You're looking at it like that. Man, this well, is a super interesting project that you're doing. I, I think that I want to give you like some proper kudos for doing something that is so insightful into like even like your own trajectory. I think this it's just really clever way of hearing people that in your point of view are to some degree like successful and how they have navigated their own careers and, and lives. And for you to turn that into an actual byproduct, which is value in today's culture, which is this sharing of like media, I think it's in its own manner successful to some degrees already. So good job. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, guys, I don't want to take up any more of your time. So thank you so much from, yeah, for letting me learn from hungry. you. No, thank you, man. Thanks yeah, for man. being interested in us. Yeah. And thank yeah. you for all your insightful questions and everything. This is awesome. Good luck with the project and everything from here on out.